When discussing assisted living options with aging parents or loved ones, the involvement of siblings or family caregivers can greatly influence the process. However, the discussion is often marked by complex emotions, differing viewpoints, and the challenge of making decisions that prioritize the well-being and wishes of an aging loved one. Hello everyone, I'm Cheryl Mijal and welcome to My Care Advisors. In this episode, having the talk, how siblings can navigate assisted living conversations, we are joined by Ken Knudsen. He's a certified senior advisor and owner of Care Patrol South Carolina. Well, welcome, Ken. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you, Cheryl. It's great to be here and share this information with listeners. I really love talking about this subject. Well, Ken, I was wondering when siblings or family members are faced with the task of discussing assisted living with an aging parent, what are some of the first steps they should consider? Share a few things. There's so much we could talk about, but I'll only share a few things for your listeners to consider. I would say first, and this is probably one of the most important in my mind, is talk about it among yourselves first. Take as much time as it takes, but behind closed doors. I don't know if you've heard the old saying that a good lawyer shouldn't ask a question in court that they don't know the answer to. Well, if siblings are going to approach a parent about this really sensitive topic, You want to know what each sibling is going to say. You want to know their position before they say it in front of a parent. I really can't tell you how many times we've met with families who haven't talked about it beforehand. Maybe one or two has, but there's one person that they haven't chatted with. And when they end up having everyone in the same room and the one dissenter comes in and says, sure, dad, I think you can go home and stay home. Game over. I mean, it's hard enough to talk about it when everyone's on the same page, but what about when there's disagreements among siblings? It makes it so much harder, and it's harder to get it back on the rails when this happens. So here's a little side note. You know, the one who normally disagrees and derails it, in my opinion, or my experience has been, my money's on the sibling who's been least involved in their parents' care. It can be someone also with an agenda, so be on the lookout for that best to have whatever arm wrestling that you're going to have behind closed doors as long as it takes and come to a consensus. I mean, this is a big decision, so talk through it. I like it when everyone can be in the same room, but sometimes it's really not practical and they have to do it over Zoom or over phone or whatever. But normally, if if you're not on the same page, it's going to be from someone either with an ulterior motive or just hasn't been long enough around to see the deterioration. They might not have seen their parent in six months a year. I mean, everyone is busy and no one lives close to their parents sometimes anymore. So maybe they say them a few days at the holiday and they go back to seeing the best moments because maybe mom or dad rallied. You know, if it's the child who's eight states away and they haven't spent much time with them, they may be the ones who don't see it. So if you're one of those adult children, realize that that could be an issue. But that brings me to another point. And this is for the one who's the closest, the one who's maybe the primary caretaker. Write things down. Be specific. Document instances where you're saying we now need to consider making a change. Focus on the safety issues. Share what you observe about loneliness or depression, the isolation, the mismedications, uh, the falls. You know, for those who maybe have some 
more serious cognitive impairment, are they wandering? You know, are they putting things in the wrong place? Are there, is there rotten food? You know, for some who have better memories, maybe it's fender benders. Maybe it's just spilling pills. Um, look in the refrigerator. You know, make notes. You can take pictures. Chances are the siblings who are less involved or just sees their parent at the best, if they start seeing this, that you can share with them, maybe they'll come around. You kind of got to do what you got to do to kind of get them on the same page. But I'd say a third thing, if number one is talk among yourselves first, if the second thing is write things down, be specific. I think the third thing would be listen to each other. Okay, we've kind of lost the art of listening a little bit, but in this instance, we really need to listen to each other. Realize that siblings may process this issue at different speeds, and their approach might be just a little bit different than yours. So take time to get to the heart of their objection. Take time to hear them. Don't just think about what you're going to say next. You know, even if you're close to the situation and you know more and you should have more input because you're more involved, let them talk. They haven't seen the pairing as much. So, you know, families are messy. We all have some baggage. Everyone thinks their family is the hardest one and it's the most difficult to talk to mom or dad. We're all kind of in similar boats. But try committing to this approach and focus on your parents. Don't focus on each other. Focus on your parent. Just because your typical role may be as a sibling has been the leader or the one who needs to, is the financial person, whatever, it doesn't mean you're right when it comes to what's right for, for mom or dad. Listen to the ones who are most involved in day-to-day -day care. Maybe they get just a little bit more than one boat. Those things, I think, probably good things to consider if you're talking among your siblings. Well, Ken, these are some great first steps. I loved what you said about making sure the listening happens and sharing that information. Are there any additional items to keep in mind prior to discussing these care options with a loved one? If so, could you share a few other thoughts? Sure. Up to now, we've really just talked about talking among your family. Now let's talk about people who are outsiders, others who may know your parent. Does your parent have a trusted physician? Is it someone that they listen to? Solicit their help. A lot of times the parents don't want to listen to their kids about healthcare matters, but they will be willing to listen to their doctor. How about parents' friends? They may notice the changes that you folks don't see. And the other thing is, the parent may be telling them things they're not going to tell you. So you want to kind of get some of their friends' friends' input. But the other thing is, this is really for just someone who either has recently been or is currently in a rehab setting, in a short-term rehab. Maybe they've fallen, maybe they're in a rehab and they're getting 20, 30 days of some therapy. Ask the therapist. Get their analysis of what the shortcomings are. Get their candid prognosis of what they think the new baseline is. You can even bring them in to help have the talk. I've done that a lot. Remember, though, you want to know what they're going to say. So those are just a few additional things. So, Ken, you're so right. I really agree with getting that input from trusted individuals in an aging parent's life can certainly help, especially when considering those care transitions to assisted living or other care options and starting that conversation. So what happens though, if you're the only child or a family caregiver or other sibling family members cannot be engaged, 
in the process. How does it, one person begin to the conversation? A lot of times I run into families where there is only one child and they feel like they're all alone in this. But let's turn the tables on it. There are some positives. Being the only child or the only one involved, guess what? You're in charge. There's no one that you have to worry. Is there another agenda? Is someone considering to take mom and dad's money? There's no other people involved. There are no dissenters, no one to convince and no disagreement. So you're in control and you set the agenda. So the other thing is, I would say have a plan. It's more important because you don't have other people to weigh in. Have a plan. And like I said earlier about siblings having a plan and being specific and writing things down, do that here. You're going to need to do that as much when you're the only person because you don't have a team of people talking to your parent. Solicit professional advice. We have conversations with families about this all the time. So realize why you're the one who's the adult child, you don't have to do it alone. But you need to be thinking, will your parent listen to you? How's your relationship with them? What kind of influence do you have? And really, the bottom basic question is, do you really know what they need? Do you have enough of the information? And the last thing I guess I'd say is, take the advantage of being one-on-one. Tell them how you feel. This is so much easier when it's just you. A lot of times it's easier than with siblings because it's not like the gathering up or the threatening kind of thing. Embrace being on your own and take that as an advantage. So Ken, thank you for these insights. So let's shift to approaching the topic of moving from one's home or into a different care setting. I know this can be a sensitive and emotionally charged subject. You mentioned it earlier. So how do siblings best approach this topic? Well, we've talked about how to how to talk among yourselves with siblings, how to do it if you're alone. Now it's time to get real. The practice is over. You realize what you're going to say. Now it's how do we approach? How do I approach or how do we approach? The approach is the same if you're working as a team with siblings or if you're on your own. I want to keep this positive, but do you mind if I start with some adults? We've talked to so many families. I've learned as much from my mistakes as I have from my successes. So let's start with some dope. Don't spring it on them. Don't make it like it's an intervention. Hopefully you have time to ease into a bit. Maybe hopefully you're not looking at the move has to happen in four days because they're getting out of the hospital, the rehab, and they can't go home. But So maybe it'll take converse, multiple conversations. Maybe the first talk isn't with everybody in the room so they don't feel ganged up on. Number two, I'd say don't force it on them. This only helps the perception that so many parents have that they're putting me away. You need to talk honestly about the issues, and this is why we want to write things down, but don't force it on them. The other thing I guess I'd say is, this is a big one. Don't make them think it's a forever decision. That is something I see all the time with the adult children. That's a common thread in a lot of our conversations that we've seen. It's presented as if if it's a forever decision. But each state is a little bit different, so you have to check with a trusted advisor, an advocate, who knows. But in my state, you can move out with a 14-day notice. So if you move into assisted living or memory care, and for whatever reason it's not the right thing, it's not right for them, something changes, 
it's only a 14-day decision. So I tell people all the time, the difference between a good decision and a bad one is 14 days. So all of a sudden, this huge, lifelong, forever decision isn't quite as big as the parent. For the parent, sometimes that wall now isn't quite as tall anymore. So another way to put it, don't take away hope. Don't take away hope that they can go home. You may know they're going home. The doctor may know that they're not going home, but don't take away the hope. That said, let me give some some advice though. And please hear me on this one. Don't wimp out and be the first sibling to cave and have the dreaded words. If you don't like it in a week, you can always go home. You have to give it some time. Personally, I like a couple months. It takes time to get acclimated into new routines. And most importantly, it takes time to make new friends. The reason you're going through this process is because there's a need, there's a deficiency, loneliness, depression, safety factor, medication errors, falling, taking showers, whatever the issue is, the primary goal is safety and support, but almost as big is integration, belonging, and developing friendships. Remember, the safety part's going to happen immediately, but the friendship part may take a little bit of time. Seniors often think they're moving into a facility. Your objective should be you want them to feel like they're in a community. Seniors oftentimes underestimate the power of community. And this is going to take a minute. It's not going to happen overnight. I love it when an adult child and I have toured, we've had a loved one move into the community. Of course, the parent wasn't really excited about going in. And after a month or so, we talked to them and... They pick up their mother, they go to lunch, they have a nice afternoon, and all of a sudden, mom asks what time it is, and the child tells them, they're like, I have to get back now. Can, can you take me back? I don't want to miss the a- afternoon activity. You know, we're getting our nails painted or, or whatever, whatever it is. And the child's frustrated. I'm like, wait a second. This is fantastic. Guess what? They have transitioned. They've had that crossover point from, this is a sterile facility that I don't want to be in, and it's community. It's their people. Dare I say, it's kind of a new extended family. So you want that as a child. You're not being replaced, but you're having a parent who is embracing the new situation that they're in. Perhaps simple friendship is now a new sense of purpose. The world now isn't as small as it used to be as their healthcare is starting to deteriorate. If I'm going back to saying it is give it some time. You can't do this and have them move in for four days and say they don't like it and they're going to go home. This didn't work. Don't cave. Give it some time. So, Ken, totally agree. And this reminds me, as somebody who's living in the sandwich generation, reminds me dropping off children at college and then them getting acclimated to that atmosphere. Sometimes it works and sometimes roommates don't work and it's tough. So I thought about don't cave, just have them get the used to it. And pretty soon it all becomes all good. And I was wondering, can you share some more tips to ensure that conversation stays on track? Absolutely. I hate the fact that we spent so much time focusing on the dopes, you know, don't spring it on them, don't force it on them, don't make a forever decision. Let's talk about some of the do's. Let's look at some of the positive. So I'd say the first thing is treat them with dignity and respect. And be gentle. If I can paint a picture for listeners, 
too many people treat this conversation with their parent like it's an argument from the start, like they're across the table in a negotiation. I tell people, get on the same side of the table. Acknowledge this is an ideal, that you don't want it. You wish it wasn't happening. You're sorry that your body isn't cooperating. So get on the same page with them. If they know how you, if you know how they feel and you can communicate back to them, that's a great first step. The other thing I would say is, and if you're a physician or a healthcare professional, please close your ears, blame it on the doctors and blame it on the healthcare professionals. Hey, we would love for you to go home, dad, but your doctor, your therapy team, your nurse, your therapist, whatever, they're recommending 24-7 care or that you need to move or they don't think you're going to be safe at home. Whatever the recommendation is, be open about it. They see this all the time and they have made hundreds or thousands of recommendations based on their experience. So use it. Put it back on them. Get your money's worth for all the therapy and all the stuff that you're getting and you're paying doctors. Use it. They will be fine with it. If your loved one starts seeing you not as an enemy, but you're in the same boat with them and you're collectively trying to come up with a safe and affordable option, it can go a long way to build trust and have constructive conversation. The other thing I guess I'd say is let them know and understand how hard it may be for them and that you really never wanted this. This may help open up and at least help dispel their thought that you're trying to put me away. The other thing is ask them what they want, but also ask them what they need and let them talk, even if they're making a weak argument, because they're going to do it sometimes. They feel like they're a cat in the corner and they're going to have to come out scratching and clawing. They don't want to do this. When they do, Consider a gentle, soft, empathetic approach, not like an attorney in a closing argument. Be very, ask practical, specific questions about what they're going to do. If, if someone has fallen and broken a hip and they've got 14 stairs to get up and they can't negotiate them, Dad, what are you going to do? What are you going to do at midnight when you have to get up and go to the restaurant? What's good? Get into the practical situations, but do it careful and be careful not to immediately hit them with the 67 reasons that you need to move. You know, you don't want to just come out with both barrels blasting. Just be gentle. Listen to them. Let them talk. Give your loved one time to process. Remember, you and your siblings may have come to this conclusion already. You've had time to process this more. Maybe they haven't. It's okay that you don't have to convince them all in one sitting. Maybe it'll take multiple. Like steam, let it out slowly. Don't let it all out at once and it blow up. The other thing I would say is, candid about your fears and concerns. Let them know you're afraid for their safety. Maybe it's hard to not sleep at night, wondering if they're okay. Are they on the floor? Did they take their meds correctly? Whatever their safety concerns are that's prompting this possible move, but remember, this can be a fine line. You don't want them to feel guilty or be a burden, but letting them know how you feel is good. I could go on this more and more, but that's probably enough stuff for families to handle at one time. Well, thank you for sharing these insights on communicating about senior living options and having the talk with your siblings or friends and family members who are involved in the care of an aging parent or other loved one. These are some great tips. So as we near the end of the episode, I was wondering if you have any additional thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners. So let me leave you with some encouragement. 
Uh, it's an observation from countless encounters with these kind of meetings face-to-face -face with siblings as they deal with this challenge. After they've had their pre-meeting, most of the time they go into the meeting. You know, we're going to have the meeting with dad or with mom, and they go in with a lot of fear, and their expectation is the worst. They're as nervous as it was. They're as nervous as asking Helen of the prom sophomore year. I mean, they're just nervous as all. They've rehearsed all the objections, and they're waiting for canes or walkers to be thrown. They're waiting for the big arguments, and you can kind of hear the nervousness in their voices and the fear in their eyes. However, so many times people come back amazed that it went so much better than they expected. Be prepared, but it may not be as hard as you'd make it out to be. Yes, there could be some tears, some hard times, but if you approach it in the right way, in a loving, compassionate way, united as siblings, and you listen, that can be the recipe for a fantastic outcome. So I wish your listeners all the best as they encounter these conversations with their loved ones. Thank you, Ken, for joining us today and sharing these insights with our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you, Ken, for sharing your insight with our listeners today. To view resources, show notes, and access more My Care Advisors episodes, visit mycareadvisors.com. You can also subscribe and listen to our podcast on your favorite app. I leave you with this quote from Anthony Brandt. Other things may change us, but we start and end with the family. Choose to be inspired to live the best life every day. Thank you for listening. We are grateful to be your guide.